Feel like you've got a lot on your plate, or maybe you've got so much going on it couldn't possibly fit on just one plate. You've got a lot of plates, fully loaded, spinning at full speed. Well, you're not alone, and you've come to the right place. I'm Liz Cerati. Welcome to Seven Plates Spinning, a podcast serving up ideas and inspiration for keeping all those plates in the air. Today, I'm talking to two very funny ladies, Amy Wilson and Margaret Abels, who host the comedy parenting podcast, What Fresh Hell? Amy also authored a best-selling parenting book called When Did I Get Like This? The Screamer, The Worrier, The Dinosaur Chicken Nugget Buyer, and other mothers I swore I'd never be. And Margaret was previously head of video production for Nickelodeon's mom-centric channel, Nick Mom. On their podcast, they talk about the trials and tribulations of parenting in a super relatable way, and they make us laugh while doing it. And who doesn't need a good laugh these days? I had to start by asking them the story behind the name of their show. It turns out there was a humorist named Dorothy Parker, who was famous about 100 years ago, who supposedly used to answer the phone by asking, what fresh hell is this? And Margaret's mother adopted the saying that I think we can all relate to some days. My mother uh, came from the Dorothy Parker School of yes. of Life, and she she always described she had three kids in three and a half years, and she she was like, I just I just remember every day I would open my eyes, open doorways, and just be like, what fresh hell awaits me next? You know, have they you know shaved right. the dog? Have they made a complete disaster of the room? Have they coated yes. each other in peanut butter? And so. It really sums up that feeling of parenthood, which is like every day something fresh, but it has that slight tweak of humor to it. That, like, <laughs> yes, indeed, <laughs> it's if maybe if we take it a little less seriously, we'll do better. Well, listening to the two of you is so much fun. I feel like I'm sitting with a couple of girlfriends having a chat, and you have great chemistry, and you can tell you're having a lot of fun on a lot of your episodes and in your conversations. And I find myself wishing I could just like jump into the conversation with you sometimes. <laughs> So I feel like this is my chance. So can I talk to you about some of my favorite episodes I've listened to recently? Love that. Okay, good. So one that I particularly enjoyed was the episode recently, Margaret, where you talked about letting your kids curse, whether you should let your kids curse. Because I swear like a sailor in my house. I have a real I have a real potty mouth. And I used to be very careful about this when my son was little, but now he's a tween, so I'm getting more lax. And it's so funny because he refuses to utter any bad words. Like he watches at his dad's house with his dad and stepmom. They watch the show Shit's Creek. And I have explained to him that different. it's a different shit, but he will not do it. He calls it S-Words Creek. My kids are super cursing squares. I think I said on an episode that my kid came home and was like, well, someone said the C word at school today. And I was like, wow, that's a little intense. And he was like, yeah, they were like, this food tastes like crap. I was like, oh, okay. I love that you think that's, that's the C word and that's- you're very sweet. However you handle cursing is probably okay. But for me, I felt like I'm just going to have a no cursing policy so that I don't have to deal with any any of the other questions. Like, I don't want to have to be like, okay. Which word curse, is okay? But not at grandma's and not right. this word ever and not at church. And not this, the other C word. Sort of like, that C word, yes. Yeah, not the exactly. Other C word. <laughs> and so for me, I was like, listen, for me, it's a lot less friction to say no cursing because then I don't have to get into eight more questions about it. Oh, and totally. that's my path of least resistance. Right. My kid, I think he's never going to curse. 
I, I mean, maybe he does it with his friends and I don't know. He's not doing it around me. And I like to credit myself with the bad example I've set because I think that, that I've set him on the right path with my bad example. Love it. Doing, Love it. Whatever works for you. the other way. Whatever gets know. you there. In my house, we, we held a pretty firm line on that until the pandemic. So I have teenagers. My kids are 13, mm-hmm. 16, and 18. And so ages and stages is always our other great sort of caveat. Like, yeah. you know, this the same principles apply, but how they play out are very different if you have a three-year-old yeah. or an 18-year-old. Oh, right. If my, you know, 16 and 18-year-olds wanted to curse during the pandemic that this effing sucks, then I'm going to let them, you know, yeah. like that, that's, that seemed like a reasonable way to let off some steam. Right. That we needed, needed a release of some yeah. sort, but some of your episodes you base on topics recommended by your Facebook group. So you built this community for moms also, which I think is awesome. And there was an episode recently where you talked about ongoing family debates, like whether you should wear shoes in the house. And I was dying to join that conversation. <laughs> oh, like I really wish you wear shoes in the house. I, I believe in not wearing shoes in the house. I do wear my shoes in the house. That's mm. the truth. <laughs> I was wishing that you guys took like live callers, like a morning radio talk show, you know, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Cause I had so much to say on that episode. It's all like pent up now. So I feel like it would be harder house. to goof on people if they were on the, on the show. I like just being like, you seem like you're married to a psychopath. Yes. I don't know what's going on in your house, but what kind of monster acts that way? Right. right. If it's on the, me. it's, from Facebook, you can make fun. Well, no, I don't stack the plates at a restaurant. No, I don't take my shoes off in the house if I'm telling the truth. Yes, I pre-wash the dishes before I go into the dishwasher. Margaret, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, all the. I was just sitting there with like my checklist. I'm like, I want to answer all these things. The part about the telephone and like etiquette of calling people. And you talked about the old timey phone. I think it was you, Margaret, yes, who said like my, just a regular landline is an old timey phone to you. Yeah. My daughter was like, what do you call that kind of phone? That's like really oldie timey. And I thought she meant like a wooden phone with a handheld earpiece. And she was like, no, she meant a cordless phone. I was like, oh, that's the, that's just called a phone actually. They have Not no like, idea. Can you hear me Watson? But like actually. <laughs> yeah, I thought she meant, can you hear me Watson? And she was like, no, I mean a phone, like the phone we have. Amazing. Have you seen the videos online where they have parents giving their teens a rotary dial phone and then watching them try to dial it? it They can't do it. I mean, they literally can't. They'll sit there for hours. They can't figure out how to dial it. It's hilarious and sad for us. Cassette tapes too. They're pretty, pretty confused by. Yes. Well, I remember when my son was really little and I used to, like I handed him a real phone for the first time to talk to his grandparents. I don't remember where we were, but it was only, we only had a landline and he was like holding it out in front of him and saying, I can't see them. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. No, no, that's not how we're, yeah. It's just funny. They don't know where stamps changed. go on envelopes. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> They're all laughing at us. Meanwhile, my son laughs at me regularly because, <clears throat> you know, we're laughing at what they don't remember from when we were younger. And yet I can't do half the things he can do. And he's like, oh my God, mom, you're so embarrassing. So yeah. goes well, both ways, I being guess. Being embarrassing is the, the commonality of all of us. <laughs> Oh man. And then I have to say though, I was yelling at my computer where I was sitting and listening about the making of the bed and the pattern side of the top sheet. You guys, it has to be pattern side down. Why? People are really passionate about this. And I will say everyone agrees with you. Everyone agrees with you. It's, it's not debatable. It's (laughs) when you make a bed, just so everyone knows what we're talking about. When you make the bed, you're putting the top sheet on is the pretty side facing down onto the fitted sheet or is the pretty side facing up to the like comfort or duvet cover? And I feel like it has to be facing down. So when you pull back the sheet, you see pretty side, pretty side. You know, the best explanation somebody 
because we did have several people come like, no, no, it has to be pretty side down. And here's <gasps> why that the, um, the non pretty side, you know, the like white side, or whatever yes. is scratchier than the pretty side usually. And so mm. you need non scratchy side facing your body. I'm like, all right, that I can get behind. That seems very uh, undebatable to me. That's too funny. It's funny. I mean, the thing that you find when we do episodes such as that, I mean, we do a lot of like, let's get to the bottom of like, should we let our kids see us cry? Or like, we kind of take a dilemma and we go through it and we try to reach a solution. And then we also do some like more crowdsourced episodes where we're like, we do, we have a theme called what kind of monster? And it's like, give us your worst examples of the monsters who live in your house. And it's like, okay, what kind of monster opens the peanut butter, puts a finger in, puts the lid back on and put it back. And we, we just tell people, yes, yeah. you do live with a monster and all we can <laughs> offer you is our sympathy. Right. And um, we see you. Yeah, we see you we see and you. we, we accept People just you. want to be seen. Mm-hmm. But what's funny about doing those crowdsourced ones is that people have extremely strong opinions about extremely minor things. And it just, oh, yeah, that always is good up. for a laugh for me. Like, why <laughs> are you so, why have you given this much thought to which side of the sheet goes down? I like that you have and I respect you, but like, it seems a little bonkers to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And yet when in listening to it in the moment, I was like, oh, obviously, no, it has to be this way. I was like, <laughs> I feel very strongly. Oh yeah, we I had, had like never a 55 it, comment thread about the appropriate way to eat cup of noodles. I'm like, people, I can't believe you are thinking this much about this. Wait, what are the two choices of how to eat a cup of noodles? What was the this or that on oh, the cup of noodles? Forkers, <laughs> I know. I don't want to reignite the debate okay, because okay, we okay. really had trouble getting out from under. But I will say briefly that involved fork or spoon and then someone brought <gasps> chopsticks in and it was okay. a whole thing. Like people have a lot of thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. The cup of noodles is a hot topic. Hot topic. Okay. What were your favorite episodes? You've been doing this for a long time. Are there any favorite topics, guests, things you guys had the most fun with? I love those super funny ones. Um, yeah. And uh, one that actually stands out in my mind is I really liked is we also do sort of research heavy ones. So out of the two of us, I'm the one that like likes to dork out and do the research and the studies. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, should you cry in front of your kids? You know, what do experts Are you going to ruin them for life? Yeah. yeah like it, right. it, to really get to the bottom of it. So yeah. I guess my favorite episodes are when I have a question for myself, like, should I cry in front of my kids? Or like, what's with imaginary friends? Mm-hmm. And, you know, why do some kids really good on that rabbit hole and when they're eight years old are still saying that, you know, Soren Lawrenson's coming to, up to dinner with us? Like, why do kids <laughs> do that? And the episodes where I get to do research on a topic I find interesting, or even more importantly, I'm struggling with, and then talk it out with Margaret yeah. and do a little research and learn something and come up with an answer that I feel good about for myself. Like that, yeah. that's when I, those are the episodes I love. And you know, you're not the only one asking. I mean, it's yeah. great for you. You're finding this solution for yourself, but guaranteed, if you're wondering about it, you know, there are so many other people out there who are, who are benefiting. You know, doing the show has, it's made me a better parent for sure. And yeah. a better friend and, you know, more aware of myself and my shortcomings and things because like we talk it out all the time. So that's been a real privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And you are masters at finding what's funny in the potentially not so funny moments. So how do you find the humor? Or wrong question. You guys are both super funny. You're both comedians. So you're wired to see what's funny and everything in life probably. How do the rest of us find the humor? Because some days... It's like laugh or cry. I'd rather laugh. So how do I maintain my ability to, to laugh at it all? You know, we were talking about how uh, 
those moments when like the baby's, you know, throwing up on you and you're in, I don't know, you're in the middle seat of an airplane or whatever, <laughs> you know, those yes, are those been are been there. Yeah. When you're wired for comedy, it's like you're also wired for survival, that you're you're in this like, oh my God, this is the craziest story. It's in those moments. When I look around, like, okay, I got to remember, you know, imprint the look on the lady's face sitting next to me right now because it's horrible, but it's also really funny when I talk about it later. And I don't know, you sort of dive down into the details of like, what did the, when the flight attendant walked towards me, like with this angry look on her face and sprayed Lysol in the air instead of saying, what can I do to help you out? You know, like, I'm going to soak up these details. And somehow I think that does sort of remove you from you know, the shame and fear of the moment and puts you in a like, well, this is a crazy story. I I also think it's so much of it is community. And that's why we do have a Facebook group. Um, We're at What Fresh Health Cast on Facebook and you can find our group. And it's, you know, a couple thousand moms who all like our show because they have a sense of humor. And on the days where they can't find their sense of humor, they can come to this Facebook group and say, um, my baby just threw up all over me and this, and I'm late for school pickup. And I had to send my kids with mismatched shoes because I couldn't find the right ones. And people are there being like, you think that's bad. Here's what happened to me. But it's done in this spirit of, we're not here to give each other a hard time. We're here to kind of find the laughs in this. And I think one thing that I hope we really provide with the podcast is that feeling of, it's not quite so deep, guys. Like we're, mm-hmm. and we've been doing it for four years. So people have seen us as our kids have aged and grown and gone through difficult things. You know, I lost my mom while we were recording the podcast. It's not that like every time we come on and we're like, hey, you know, another great day. Like, but we you're try to keep that sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. you have to be real because if yeah. you're just like, <laughs> we're great, you know, that's Pinterest or whatever, you know, right. if you want to just be like, look at us, we're always kissing the husband and making great food. Like, okay, that's, that probably helps some people get through their day. But what helps us is being like, it's not great, but we're still laughing about it on some level. Yeah. And no judgment of anyone else who's struggling their way through it Except too. Except right? for people who put a finger in the peanut butter and then put it back. We judge them. <laughs> They're monsters. Extremely. They're, They're monsters. monsters. Yes, Our show is not for them. And, and we're here to judge <laughs> them. You can listen if you want, but we're going to call you out. You were talking on a recent episode about funny mom rock bottoms, like mm-hmm. throwing the towel, I'm done. I have like to hit the bottom. And there was one part where you talked about people saying, when I'm a mom, I would never. And then you have a baby and the reality sets in. And this was the premise of your book, I think, Amy, right? Yeah. Of like, we can all come into motherhood with our ideals and our good intentions, but this does not last. Except for you some know. moms who do make it look, at least on social media, like it's easy and I kind of hate them. They exist to taunt me. But <laughs> why do you think most of us are really hard on ourselves? And why do you think, you know, momming is hard? We all know this is hard, but we don't really cut ourselves slack, even as that reality sets in. Why do you think that is? Well, we don't cut ourselves slack. And to be honest, the world doesn't cut us any Mm, slack. Even that's not our fault. You know what I mean? Like the world is wired to sell you products that tell you you're fat, old, and a bad mom. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's what a lot of marketing is. That's what a lot of, how a lot of books get sold is like, here's how we can fix what's wrong with you, lady. And I think that, um, I've loved to see the rise of blogs and social media and 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 there's a world of voices out there that's like, hey, 
I'm not the perfect person in my like Donna Reed outfit with my broom, like loving my baby and sweeping Mm -hmm. and having dinner ready. And, you know, I'm this other kind of mom that's kind of having a hard time a lot of times, but letting us showing our own flaws, letting other people show their flaws. It's very helpful to that process. And I will say we um, hashtag oldie locks ourselves a lot because Amy (laughs) and I are a little bit older than some of the moms who listen to us. But I think one of the things I can really offer is the perspective of like, man, I wish I'd spent less time worrying about what I look like, what I weighed. I wish I'd spent less time like worrying about whether or not I was the right kind of mom and just enjoying the kids I had and parenting them, you know? And I think that's a really useful perspective that I didn't always have. And 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 I like trying to provide that. Because yeah. my total, it's my soapbox issue that that if moms overthink, that is their assignment. That is what we are telling them to do, right? To if your baby's not meeting your milestones, freak out. If your baby's not having eating the rainbow every day, freak out. And then we're like, why are you freaking out, mom? Like it, it's it's such a vicious cycle that we yeah. put women in. Yeah, it's like true. you're telling them to overthink, and so. I think we're we're trying to first be like, it is hard and it is hard to know what to do. And of course you want what's best for your kid, um, but helping them, you know, get where they need to get in life is probably easier than the commercials would lead you to think. Yeah. I interviewed Ada Calhoun recently who wrote a book called Women's New Midlife Crisis. And it's yes. about Gen X women. Have you read yeah, it? Read it. Mm-hmm. Why life seems so hard for us. Spoiler, because it is. And she cites all these stats around Gen X women. We kind of got the short end of the stick in a lot of respects. And there's so many demands on us. And then we're so hard on ourselves. Do you think moms today face more pressures than our mothers did when they were raising us? We talk about this a lot. I think it's a, I think it's a mixed bag. I think my mom, who had been a working successful professional and then ended up having kids, um, felt extremely isolated. She was mm-hmm. home alone a lot with kids. You know, we had one car. My dad would take it to work. You yeah. know, she's... I think that for her, the sense of isolation was incredibly difficult. Now, for my generation and generations after us, there's a lot less isolation. There's a lot of connection. But with that connection comes the, oh, well, if you put the baby in the car seat like that, I guess you're just an animal. Like that's horribly unsafe and terrible. And by the way, you look fat in that outfit. And by the way, (laughs) I look skinny in mine. And so I think it's a mixed bag and it's that there's advantages and disadvantages to every style of parenting, to every era of parenting. Um, I don't think that my mom faced as much pressure of like, you can be everything. And therefore sitting at home with three babies means you're a lump, you know, and a failure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that her options were fewer, which made certain things easier, but her options were fewer, which made a lot of things much harder. Yeah. And Ada talked about that opportunity, you know, like we have more opportunities now than our moms did maybe, but with the opportunities, like you said, comes, there's a downside to that. You know, you feel right. the pressure You're to, to look live like a supermodel while you have three jobs and raise these kids. Right. And it's, it's like, right. eh, it's not happening. The, totally. the frame of reference, you were saying this recently, Margaret, I thought that's a good point that, you know, my Halloween costume, I mean, I wore a Halloween costume from the drugstore that was a plastic like lobster bib <laughs> that said Barbie on it. I had a picture of Barbie and then I had, I also was Barbie, right? Like that was my costume. But it only had to be as good for me to be psyched as like the other kids in the neighborhood. My frame mm-hmm. of reference is extremely small. 
And so was my mom's, right? Like now you're comparing your kid's gender reveal party or whatever nonsense to literally everyone in the world. Millions of people. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's damaging to our kids because it used to be we compared ourselves to our classmates or like you said, your kids in your neighborhood, you had to compare yourself to what they had or did. Now the kids are comparing themselves to, you know, kids all over the world. You know, it's a totally different universe. Same thing with moms where, you know, our universe has expanded in terms of our connectivity. Good side is the community. Bad side is the broader scope of the comparison stress yeah 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 Yeah, right it's like i I kept saying like if anyone shows my kids that transformers costume where the cardboard (laughs) boxes become a car and a robot i'm like no keep it out of my life i don't need it (laughs) keep their name out of your mouth oh costumes that are handmade you're laughing in the face of motherhood on your podcast, but that doesn't mean that you guys cover all, call them silly topics, right? You did an episode recently on parenting non-neurotypical kids, which is mm-hmm. a weighty, emotionally charged issue, yeah. particularly for you know parents who are experiencing that. How do you incorporate some of those topics into the mix and then still potentially try to bring some levity to a discussion <laughs> while doing justice to a serious topic? Well, one thing is we are parents who are experiencing that. So like we have to, I mean, one thing that sometimes people give us feedback because we do laugh about it and we do kind of keep our calm, at least on the show. Sometimes I think people think, uh, oh, well, they've got it figured out and and quite the opposite. Like Mm. we are dealing with um, all sorts of difficult issues in our own life. And while we don't always share everything that's going on in our own lives, that sense of levity is at the core of how we approach everything that we deal with in life. And so I don't think we've ever really found it a super huge challenge to keep that. I love that phrase laughing in the face of motherhood because it Im- implies like a a level of like, you're not going to beat me. You're, we're laughing in your face. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that part of keeping that levity is what keeps us going. Yeah. You've given comfort, I think, and camaraderie and some good laughs to your mom listeners during a very challenging year that we've lived through this past year. I feel like I, I'm cautiously optimistic now that I can say it looks like we may be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. What are you most excited about as a mom in the year ahead? While I am so excited for my kids to go back to school, for to eat in restaurants again, to see family members I haven't hugged in you know however many months, one thing we've talked a lot about on the podcast, and I think it's a super important perspective, is like don't miss the lessons of the pandemic. And one of the things I'm looking forward to is holding on to some of the stuff that I've learned. And like we don't have to be busy every night. We don't have to have sixty plans every weekend. We can function together as a family, there is something on the other side of the kids saying that they're bored and they want to play screens. Like they do explore more when we aren't overscheduled. We've really reflected a lot on this thing of like, what, what, what can we take with us from this? And I think some of the calm, the quiet and the like, it's okay to spend time together without 4,000 activities. I'm, I'm desperately trying to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. I'm totally with you. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there's been so much, a big theme that I've been covering on my show is about this intentional, thinking very intentionally about what we want to carry with us. And this is this opportunity, this moment where we can decide what are we ready to leave in the past, which is a lot of things about the past year. And then what do we want to take with us? It's important to push back, right? I was just saying to Margaret last night that that like I'm starting to get like my to-do list is starting to get long again. The yeah. form that I forgot to fill out and the place that I have to take the kid, like we went from seven plates spinning to 
one, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm back at like three or four and I'm like, do I, yeah, do I want all four of these plates? It's, a, it's an opportunity. Absolutely. You don't, Amy. You don't want you all don't. four. You don't. You don't want seven. Spoiler don't want alert. Seven. <laughs> None of us need seven. So maybe that's the goal for the rest of 2021. If you had seven plates spinning and you managed to cut it down to one or two during the pandemic, perhaps you aim to keep it that way or keep it to three or four. We really don't need seven, do we? Probably not. You can learn more about Amy and Margaret and check out their show at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And check out their new spinoff podcast that launched this month called Toddler Purgatory. Find it at toddlerpurgatory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for today. Talk to you again soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, please visit sevenplatespinning.com and subscribe to continue listening. And consider leaving a rating or a review on whatever platform you access the podcast. I so appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. 